Well, hello, and thank you for joining us here and finding us here on our Sacramento State Hornet football podcast. It's our Stingers Up football podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ross, and I did this a couple of years ago and got really good feedback and actually had a few people reach out to me saying they were interested and they enjoyed the show and they would like to hear it again for those of you that follow, uh, the faithful of you that follow Sacramento State Hornet football. In case you don't know, I've called Hornet games for the better part of 20 plus years since 1997. All of those with Steve McElroy and he'll appear, I'm sure, as a guest here at some point on the show. But what we wanted to do was Talk about Hornet football, and it'll hopefully be a bite-sized way you can take it all in and enjoy and um, take in last week's game, preview this week's game, so on and so forth. This is our first installment, and obviously the Hornets are a couple of weeks in. They played their non-conference schedule already, and what we'll do to start things out today is kind of look back at what's happened so far. If we go back to even week one, and remember week one, it had been 91 weeks without Sacramento State football, as the program elected not to play last fall, and most teams did not in the FCS level because of COVID, and then some had the opportunity to play in the spring. Well, the program decided not to play in the spring. So it had been 91 weeks without football, and I got to tell you, as someone that loves this program and loves calling games, that first game, just getting on the plane, traveling with the team, getting to Dixie State, and getting ready for the game was fantastic. And then, of course, you want the Hornets to win, and they did just that. It was a 19-7 win for Sacramento State. Some ups and some downs in the game. One of the highlights for me personally, though, was to see former coach for the Hornets, Coach Paul Peterson, who had been in the program a decent amount of years as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, now running Dixie State's program. And he knew it was going to be a challenge to take on Troy Taylor's team, and Coach Taylor had his team ready. And what we saw was two quarterbacks From the very beginning, basically. Asher O'Hara, brand new quarterback to the school. Jake Dunaway, who had some heroics a couple years ago and has been in the program the longest. Both got some reps. Uh, It was a little rusty, but it was a W. So let's uh, listen back to some of the highlights and some reaction from head coach Troy Taylor. Three down linemen. They're bringing a blitz from the outside. Pass over the middle. Juggled and barely picked off. It is picked off. Do they rule it? Yes, it is. Intercepted by Marcus Hawkins on a tipped ball. Hawkins dove forward to catch it right before it hit the turf. And so the Hornets get a turnover. So the Hornets are going to try a field goal attempt. Sinkowski. Kyle Sinkowski will come in. It's between the hash marks, favoring the left hash mark a bit. This will be a 40-yard attempt to try to put the Hornets on the scoreboard here in the opening quarter. 10.57 left. Snap comes down. The kick is on the way. And... It is good. Oh, yes. So Sinkowski drills it. Nice drive for the Hornets after the turnover. The pride of Blaine Washington (laughs) on the Canadian border up there. First and goal, O'Hara will play fake. He'll keep it rolling out. Wide open, caught, touchdown. First of the year goes to Marcel Martin. Well done by Sacramento State. Marcel Martin caught it after a little deception by Asher O'Hara. And wide open, all he had to do was catch it, and he strolls into the end zone. That was as easy as it gets. He was uncovered. Well, here goes the victory formation. Pierre Williams is about 15 yards back to protect in case anything really goofy happens. Dunaway will feel the uh, snap. He will take two steps forward, take a knee, and that is going to do it. The Hornets are going to start out the season 1-0, and get a road victory. They come to St. George and get the job done and get the win. They beat Dixie State. Your final, 19-7 to at Sacramento State with the W. Guys down here with the winning coach, Coach Taylor. It's been a long time, 91 weeks. How did it feel to get back out there and to get a win? 
it felt like we hadn't played in a game in 91 weeks. It was a little bit sloppy, but, you know, we, we made uh, plays when we needed to, and we were resilient. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't exactly perfect, but uh, some of that stuff's going to happen when you, when you have a layoff in the first game of the year. But uh, I'm really proud of our guys for hanging in there. It's been a long time for all of them. And you, you saw good things and bad things defensively. Yeah. You held them. You held them seven points. Good team over there at Dixie yeah. State, and and you saw some things offensively. Just things that you can yeah. work on yeah. moving forward. We had some penalties, obviously, but we uh, on the on the defensive side of the ball and offensively. Um, I thought we did a good job on special teams, and we took care of the ball. We didn't turn hey, it over, which is always going to be sure. really important. We got stuff to clean up. We got to you know play better, better in every round. But uh, hey, we're one and zero, and uh, get to fly back home, and then uh, get to see the Hornet crowd when we play next week. All right, so week one was complete, a victory that was beautiful. Now you get home, as Coach said, coming home for the home fans. What's the reaction going to be? Well, the attendance was good, 8,000-plus. A lot of anticipation for Northern Iowa. The Hornets assigned a home-and-home home to play with Northern Iowa, and so they were here this year. The Hornets are going to Northern Iowa next year. This is a good FCS program, a good measuring stick for Sacramento State. And the one thing I would say, as soon as the game started, and actually being down on the field before it even started, it was such a noticeable difference in the size of the two teams. I think Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa wanted to be uh, utilize their size and their strength and their power, while the Hornets aren't small per se. They're just smaller than Northern Iowa, but they're fast. So it was size versus speed, and Northern Iowa's game plan was to run and pound the football, and it really wasn't that effective early on. The game did flip, though, at halftime. The Hornets had a 9-7 lead. They felt good about what they're doing. Didn't like that they got three field goals. And great effort by Kyle Sinkowski. First time a Hornet field goal kicker had done that in several years, kicking three and a half. So that was really, really impressive. But you also want those to turn into touchdowns. What ended up happening, though, was the 9-7 lead completely flipped on two things. One, Northern Iowa changed quarterbacks and got better results. And then, two, the Hornets Got very, very sloppy. A third quarter that has produced 21 points for Northern Iowa. None for the Hornets. Well, doesn't even no yards for the Hornets. Yeah, nothing. Hornets at 245 at the half. They have 263. So an 18-yard half with no, or quarter with no points. And they haven't had the ball at all, doesn't seem like, because they've been three and outs or turnovers. Here on third down, Day looking to his left, throws towards the end zone, has a man. It's caught that they get it in. Did he get his feet in? Touchdown. Touchdown. Four touchdowns in the quarter. They throw an out route to Quan Hampton, who just got his feet in on the side of the end zone. A brilliant quarter for the visiting Panthers, and they have blown this one wide open. Great catch, pulling a standing Hampton there on the corner. Quan had 99 yards a week ago. This, this is, and we were talking about it, the first half being one of the more bizarre games because it was 9-7. This one just completely switched. I mean, just, I don't think we've seen a game like this. All credit to Northern Iowa. They've been great. And I think the quarterback switch made a world of difference. They're big. They're strong. And when they're playing ahead of situations, now they can just, they sense it. They, they feel really good. As uh, they go for two, it's not converted. 34 to 9, 52 seconds left in what I hope is the worst quarter by far this year for the Hornets because if there's one worse, I don't know if I want to see it. A 28 point, well, 27 point surge here as Northern Iowa has just crushed this quarter. They now lead 34 to 9. Yeah, that was brutal. 
that was brutal. There was no other way around it. The Hornets just, I've never seen a game like that. Coach Troy Taylor would tell me later in the week that he, of all the games, as a player, a coach, an assistant involved in the football, he'd never seen a quarter that bad. That bad. Six turnovers to one. You just can't win the game. It didn't feel like the Hornets were as extremely outplayed as the score indicated, but when you give the ball in short field, it was really a tough one to measure the Hornets on. So they'd played two games now. One win, one loss, and then the most difficult game on the schedule, playing up. Going to Berkeley. What an opportunity. Getting money to go there, right? You get to play. Fans could travel. It was kind of a cool, overcast, gray night, a gray day at Cal. And a fun day. A day that proved to have a lot of fireworks and hopefully set up the Hornets for big sky play. But let's listen back to some of the moments that happened at Cal. Personnel on yeah. every play. They haven't run any of this stuff and yet. And look at the guys right wow. now. There's four guys in motion. Multiple shifting. Three right, two left, empty backfield. That's O'Hara. He'll keep it. He'll run to the right. Gets to the five. Gets airborne and falls towards the end zone. He's in. Touchdown. He's Superman. He went airborne, but then he landed on his feet. How did he do that? I don't know. First to ten keeps the chains moving. Play fake. Garber's rolling to his right. A release man is out there. Oh, Picked yeah. off. Hornets scoot down the sideline and go out of bounds. Garber's with a mistake and jumping in front of the pass on the outside. Munchie Byler the third. So we start the second half. Kickoff is returnable. It's taken by Remigio at the half-yard line. He'll bring it out. Follows between the hash marks and has a seam. Look out. Remigio's going to go. He's all the way free. Crosses midfield. And he's got escorts with him. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Cal, to start the second half. No flags. So third down and 10. Hornets have missed two field goals going this direction. They're in long field goal range. Could be two-down territory here for Sacramento State. One receiver here to the near side. Looking left instead is Dunaway. Steps, fires over the middle. Wide open, Martin. He's gone. Touchdown. Sacramento State right up the middle of the defense. A strike to their stud tight end. Marshall Martin well thrown by Jake Dunaway. And Sacramento State scores right back on Cal in a beautiful throw and catch. Right down the pipe. Right down the middle of the field. Something happened. A lapse in defense. Right between the hash mark, the safety was too shallow, and Martin just went right by everyone. Yeah, our guys came out, competed. Uh, you know, we, we had some opportunities, especially in special teams, that would have made the difference. If I count it right, we gave up 14 points uh, we missed out on, which probably was the difference. What do you think you saw out of your quarterbacks today? Jake had a good game going on when he was able to get some great throws, and your receivers played I, you know, I'm really proud of our quarterbacks. They, you know, they're two great kids. They work well together. There's no animosity between the two, so you can do something a little unconventional where you, you know, alternate them a little bit. Uh, but they're both really good players, and I, I think they, they both did a great job. Now you get through this point of the season. Now you get ready for the Big Sky. Do you think these games help you prepare, get ready for our Big Sky conference? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, playing against a great team like Cal, this this physical and big and fast and going toe-to-toe with them absolutely so we're uh we were we were really relished in the opportunity to to play here um and we're looking forward to our next week's uh, first big sky opener so 42 to 30 the final the hornets put up a bunch of yards something they traditionally haven't been able to do against fbs teams move the ball up and down the field scored 30 points and left points out there But I also think we saw the best of the two quarterbacks, Asher O'Hara on the ground, Jake Dunaway rotating between series, between plays. It was really one of the more bizarre things 
that I have seen. And one of the great things about a game like this is also the exposure the Hornets got. It was a game that was on the Pac-12 network with Cal being the host team. And it was called by former Notre Dame coach Bob Davey and friend of mine and Sacramentans, you know him very well, Jim Cozumore was on the call. And have a chance here to catch up with Coz, who had his first impressions of what he saw with Sacramento State. Uh, Going in, Jason, I thought it was going to be an interesting and fun game to watch because I know what the game meant to Troy Taylor, obviously. I know what a smart offensive mind he has. I knew he would have some tricks up his sleeve. So I really anticipated Sacramento State playing well and making it a game. So going in, I didn't think it was going to be a route. I didn't think it was going to be what people would perceive an FBS versus FCS team and one of them's just going to roll. I thought we had a chance to have a pretty good game, and, and I think it was a very good game. Yeah, and it turned out to be that way. Your your relations now talking to the Hornet coaching staff and Troy Taylor, as it played out, how much of that do you think was was coaching keeping them in, the scheming, this the trickery? How much did that keep the Hornets in the game? Well, you know, I think we use that term sometimes, Jason, and it's almost it's almost a pejorative. It's almost a negative that they had to trick the game to stay in it. I think Troy is such a smart offensive mind that I think he kept Cal a little bit off base. He kept them on their heels just a little bit. Listen, Cal has more talent. They're deeper. They should have won the football game. But I think the way that the the Hornets played that game, if they play that way in Big Sky season, they're going to have a heck of a year in a really tough conference this year. I do think that there was coaching involved in this. I do know um, that – that the defensive side of Cal was very concerned at some of the things that Sacramento State could do as far as using both O'Hara and Dunaway at quarterback, running the ball, having the quarterback run it versus throw it. Um, So I do think that coaching had a lot to do with it, but I don't think it was to the point of, hey, we're going to gimmick this thing to get into it and stay as long as we can. I just think they're really smart offensively. Yeah, and you know the old adage people say, if you're playing two quarterbacks, you you don't have one. I don't know that I've ever seen a team shuttle quarterbacks that much, whether it was down in distance that that triggered it, um, where they got the ball in the field. I I don't know. I I got the rhyme or reason of how it happened, but it kind of worked. Can that work for a season, or did that just work last Saturday? You know, it's interesting. We tried to figure that out as well. If it was a run down where they go in with O'Hara, if it was a pass down where they go in with Dunaway, and we couldn't figure it out. And in some ways, that's the answer to keeping your opponent off base. Troy Taylor did a great job of making sure no one kind of figured out the formula. Um, can you win with that? You know what? We're going to get a chance to see this year. I don't get the sense that they're going to just figure out one guy is going to be our starter. It did seem to me. Once Dunaway was given the reins for extended stretches and he was able to, to maintain drives, his comfort level went up much more quickly and he was able to be far more effective. Now, that doesn't mean you start him first quarter all the way through the fourth quarter, but maybe part of the formula we saw was if we go with Dunaway at some point, we give him a little bit of time to gain a, a level of not com- maybe rhythm more than confidence. I think they're confident to begin with. But having the ability – to have a really good thrower in Dunaway who can run and a really good runner in O'Hara who can throw gives you a lot of options. And if there isn't one quarterback head and shoulders above the rest, why not keep the defenses off balance and make them play the guessing game? Because maybe Troy Taylor was using that Cal game to figure out how is the defense reacting when I go to these different quarterback situations 
Now he can study what Cal was doing to see how it worked and if it can work in big sky play. Yeah, my read going into the year was, you know, Astro O'Hara coming from Middle Tennessee State has played more college football than Jake Dunaway, is the dual threat guy. I felt like that's where they wanted to go. And to your point, Coase, I think he was given more opportunity until last Saturday when Jake Dunaway really got that extended stretch. But watching O'Hara, he he clearly can run. I think if he can get the throwing game going, that's probably their choice. But he hasn't. And then you give Dunaway the chances. And the Hornets threw for over 400 yards, and he was a big part of that. So I, I, you know, they're three weeks in, and I don't know that they have a clear answer. No, I don't know if they do either. And I think that you know maybe you would rather have one guy to go to all the time and know that guy is going to be the guy and have a really good backup. I don't know if they have that luxury right now. I think they maybe have the luxury of two options um, and figuring out what's going to work best against a, a certain opponent. Um, I do. I was very impressed, and I think a lot of people were. It was very confusing, right? We start the game calling the game. I'm sure you guys did the same thing on your end. You know, O'Hara starts. You got trickery. Here comes. No, Dunaway starts. Yeah, yes. already lost. <laughs> Dunaway starts. Trickery. O'Hara comes in. Dunaway comes back in. And you're like, what the heck is going on over here? What? Just signal the play in for a quarterback instead of having the quarterback running with play. Yeah. But it was, you know, they knew what they were doing. They eventually got into a rhythm. Both quarterbacks were effective, and they played well against the Pac-12 team. There's, there's no embarrassment there. Yeah, and the one thing I would that I thought might happen, or that the Hornets are trying to get going, is the running game. It hasn't happened yet. Dotson's a preseason All-American. Perkinson's a good runner, and maybe that's credit to Cal too. So as Big Sky play gets going, the run game will only uh, help the Hornets. But that that really wasn't a factor at all against Cal. No, no, it, it wasn't. Um, it, the the, the Effective part was when O'Hara took the snap yeah. and would run himself. I know that I was working with Bob Davey, the former Notre Dame head coach, and he really likes the backs for Sacramento State. He thinks Dotson's a great two-way back. He can catch it. He can run with it. He thinks he's tough. He thinks he's going to have a really good year. Again, you're, ta- you're looking at a little bit bigger team in Cal with a lot more depth, and that's a big reason why they couldn't get that run game going. Um but I think in the in the big sky play that they will be able to have more of an effective run. And that, I only think, will make it easier on the passing game if the defense has to pay attention to, to the two big bats. And, and, and like I said, Coach really liked Dotson, liked Perkinson as well, but really liked Dotson. Yeah, and so they get ready for big sky play. They'll open it up against Idaho State. You mentioned it earlier, Coz, the conference is loaded. Montana's always good. Weber's good. Eastern, UC Davis. The Hornets, I think, are good. Um, what do you think their outlook should be like going into conference play as the season plays out? You know what? I, I'm, I, I know everyone likes to lay in the weeds and say, hey, let everyone overlook us and we'll come up and surprise a lot of people. The last time they played a season of football, they were the number nine team in the country when it was all said and done and they made it to the playoffs. If you want to set your program up to be a top flight program, that needs to be the mantle. I'm playing for the conference title. I'm playing to get into the playoffs. That's what I think Sacramento State's vision should be. And now it's up to Troy Taylor and his great staff to figure out a way to put them. You know what? Everyone knows about Montana. Everyone knows about South Dakota State. There are some teams in FCS that everybody knows. Sacramento State could be one of those teams, and it could grow, and it started back in 2019. Now let's see exactly how they're able to grow from it. And I know there are a lot of changes, but let's see if the building blocks are being set. Last thing for you, Coz, you obviously spent a lot of time in Sacramento. You know the Hornet program. You know the Davis program. 
They both have had successful years here recently. It hasn't happened where both have been put together or both put together consistently for for a couple of years, like a Montana and Montana State. What do you think the Sacramento community would look like if Davis is a perennial power at the FCS, as is Sacramento State? What does that look like to you in Sacramento? Oh, I think that would be fantastic. Wouldn't that just be great for local football? And and let me tell you something. I, I think... I think Troy Taylor does a great job in understanding there's great talent in the Sacramento area and in the Northern California area. Why not focus on that? UC Davis can do the exact same thing. I think it would, you know, it, it would be so great for football in general, from the, the lower levels to the high schools to that college level, for, for Davis and Sac State to really have solid programs at the same time and slugging it out year in and year out. I hope it would bring that feel back like it was, 20 some years ago uh, when there were a lot of, although UC Davis has always kind of been the leader in this thing. Uh, it'd be great to have Sac State better at the right time and really make the causeway something special again. Uh, the causeway. Yes, exactly. I've, I've trademarked that. So hopefully that, uh, <laughs> that will come into play at some point. I'll be selling t-shirts at the next game. Get so, that, uh, let's hope it works. Yeah, get that trademark out there. Get those royalties. Uh, yeah, that would absolutely be great. Coz, it was great seeing you last weekend. Hopefully sure. you get some more Hornet, Hornet games in the future. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. That'd be fun. My pleasure, and good luck to everyone there. Thank you so much to everyone, by the way, from the Hornets program, from Brian Berger to Troy to Bobby Freskis, everybody. You were great along the way. So, Jason, thanks for having me on. All right, so this week it is the Hornets and Idaho State in Big Sky play. So we know the Hornets – have played well, I'll say this, at Holt Arena. This is one of the places in Big Sky play that the Hornets have played very, very well in. Even traditionally when they haven't had great teams, they've been able to go up to Idaho State and win. But you want to set the tone in conference. Idaho State doesn't have a win yet. They are 0-2, two losses, but they're also coming off a bye week. So they've had extra time to get ready. There's been some COVID issues that have gone on in the state of Idaho. So we'll see how healthy and if it has impacted the team as well. But losses to North Dakota, losses to Nevada, But what they've seen and what I've seen on stats and what I've seen on some of the games watching them, lack of protecting the quarterback and lack of getting to the quarterback. So could this be the week that Sacramento State gets more pressure on the quarterback and also is able to protect their quarterbacks? Will we see two quarterbacks again? There's a lot of questions going in. And then the other one, I would say a theme of the three weeks into the season, the Hornets haven't been able to run the ball as well as I would have expected. I like the trio of backs. I mean, Dotson, preseason All-American, has been one of the great Hornet running backs in school history. Perkinson also has put up a very, very good Hornet career, and I know the program loves Marcus Fulcher. So I think they've got the weapons combined with Dunaway's ability to run, but more specifically, Asher O'Hara's ability to run. Let's see if the Hornets can get back to the ground game and get that going and just find themselves a win. Get in the win column, get back to 500 overall, but more importantly, get to 1-0 and in conference play before the Hornets have their bye. So uh, it's going to be a fun week. We'll see how it all goes. We'll recap it next week in our second edition of our Stingers Up Hornets football podcast. We do thank you for checking us out. Certainly uh, reach out to me if you have any ideas or suggestions or things you'd like to hear. I definitely would appreciate that. Uh, My name is Jason Ross. We thank you for listening, and we're back again next week for another edition of your Sacramento State football podcast, our Stingers Up Hornet football podcast. Thanks again for listening.